kind of closing out a message series today that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. If today's your first day here, don't worry. You're not uh, coming in in a way where you're not going to be able to follow or keep up with us. Uh, actually, this message to close things out is the one that, quite honestly, I was most excited about preaching, but I felt the Lord put it on my heart to really take a couple weeks to prepare ahead of time for the message that we would close with. And so we talked about basically just godly communication for the last couple of weeks. We talked about why it's so important that the things that come out of us, communication being more than just verbal, being our attitudes, our emotions, our convictions, our beliefs, how they actually establish the purposes of God through our lives and in this earth. We quoted the scripture in Ephesians 4.29 that says, Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification. Edification meaning to actually build and construct. And so the things that we communicate with people as we communicate with God, that as they come out of us, they're actually establishing and building and doing things that can be for good or they can be for bad. And then last week we talked a lot about what godly communication really looks like, about how our words and our, our uh you know, what we convey should be laced with truth and honesty, should be encouraging and a lot of different things that we went into. Uh, but, you know, where we come to today is I think that for the most part, the vast majority of us would say, you know what, we want to be able to communicate and convey ourselves in such a way day in and day out where it aligns with what God would want us to do. It aligns with his word. It aligns with his will. And, and a lot of people would say, I have an idea of you know, what that looks like, godly communication and, uh, and just speaking the right words and saying the right things and encouraging people. I have an idea of what that looks like. But where it gets really difficult a lot of times for people is in the actual walking of it out day in and day out. People say, well, I get it, but it's just so hard to do that all the time. It's just so easy to kind of slip off course, you know, and, and then look back and regret something I did or something I said or wish I would have handled something differently. And if that's you, guess what? Welcome to the club, right? That's every one of us. And so what I want to do is I want to help us today to see what does the Bible say about how we are to walk this out every day in our lives so that our community communication, our uh, relationships, the things that we're busy about the work of doing are happening in such a way where we're consistently conveying God's heart, his love, that we're seeing with his eyes and that we are uh, speaking his words to the people that we are in contact with in our lives. So if you'll turn with me to start as we dive into the book of Luke in chapter 6, verse 45, that's where we're going to pick up. And uh, one, of the, one of the best scriptures in all of the Gospels, no question about it. This is also in Matthew in a slightly different wording. But here in Luke, it, uh, in just one verse, it sums it up so well. He says, out, a, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now we're going to break this down a little bit because there's some powerful things that are packed into just this one verse. And I'm going to look at, first of all, the word, the treasure. 
The word treasure in the Greek actually refers to something that we would know as to be like a storehouse, a place where things are kept, where things are consistently brought in, it's stored up, and they're always there like in supply. Everybody knows kind of what a storehouse is, right? They're always bringing the goods, they're bringing the wealth, they're bringing the valuables in there, and they're keeping it and storing it for a time whenever it might be needed. And so what we see is that our hearts represent a storehouse that they're actually like a container if you will that are being filled with something we'll get to that in a second but that our hearts are being filled consistently and that they're like a storehouse that are holding things that are being put into it that will eventually be brought out of it and when we look at the word heart that's actually a word in the Greek called cardia which is where we get like, you know, cardiac, that term and everything. But what's really, really interesting is that that word is used like 800 times in the Bible. And it's never in that form used to describe like the physical heart of a human being. What it actually means is the, listen to this, the innermost being of our nature. The thing that is affecting and driving all of the other things. Hang on with me here. We're going somewhere. So if you think about it, that term cardia went on to, to they used that to, you know, the word heart came from that and then cardiac to describe heart because the heart is the driving muscle for the body. It pumps the blood to all the other places of the body. But if we look at cardia as our innermost being, the storehouse and the treasure that we're holding things in that are coming in from a place then that is ultimately going to be the driving, pumping force for all of the other things that are happening outwardly in our daily lives. Does that make sense? So cardia. And then when he goes on to say, we'll bring forth out of that treasure of his heart, to bring forth means to bring to a necessary manifestation. It basically means that as things are coming in to the storehouse, that they are ultimately, unavoidably going to be forced outward. That they are going to come out of us and show themselves out in some way, shape, or form. And there's nothing that we can do to stop it. That's the way it described this, is a forced outcome, a necessary manifestation that will eventually come to pass. And then, of course, out of the abundance of the heart, we know that the abundance is the overflow, the thing that is filling up and then spilling out of us. Katie and I, we have these, these big water cups. We drink a lot of water, right? And we've got these big, I don't know, they're probably like a half gallon or a quarter gallon. You know the ones you get at the hospital? We've been there a lot, and they give them to us every time we go for the babies, and we have a bunch of them. And we like, anyway. So our water machine in our icebox is set up where you can actually just kind of stick the cup in and then press the water thing back and then let it go and then you can walk away and then it can just fill it up but you know almost all the time you probably more than me babe walk away and forget that that thing is filling you think as many times as we did this as we have but you walk away and then you forget it's filling and then all of a sudden you start hearing this like water spilling all over and you're like what is that and then you look down and the water's just pouring out of the cup spilling all over the floor right and then you run over and you grab it and then of course you dump a lot more out when you try to get it out of there it makes a huge mess and kids slip and fall and slide in it and everything else but it's it's as that cup gets filled up, 
It's going to reach a point as it's being filled where it's going to start to spill out. It's going to flow outward. And the fact, the point I'm trying to make is, is there's no other place for it to go except out. Does that make sense? As it fills, as it fills, think about this as the things that are coming into the treasure, the storehouse of our heart. As it fills, it's eventually going to come out. It has no other place to go. And the question that we need to be asking is, what is in abundance in my heart? What is there that is so plentiful that is absolutely eventually going to come out? Is it godly or is it of the world, right? Take a look in the Bible at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And this is talking about walking in wisdom. There's five verses here that we're going to read through, but there's two in particular that I want to draw out that are basically kind of continuing from the point we were just making. It says here, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So those two verses, 18 and 19, he says, Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, drunk back then means the same, meant the same thing as drunk means right now. It means that the level of alcohol that was in being ingested at some point would reach a stage where it would begin to flow, overflow in the bodily system and then also affect and influence all of the body's behaviors, the mind, the physical attributes, all of that. So he's saying, he's using that term very specifically because he wants us to get the right picture here. He's saying, don't be drunk like that, but be, be filled or be drunk with the Spirit of God. He's saying that you can fill yourself with the Spirit of God steadily and ongoing in such a way where, there's a, where we draw a very similar comparison to what we see when somebody's drunk with wine, where they're so filled and so full that they've reached a point now where what they've put in is ultimately affecting everything about what they're doing, and there's nothing that they can really do to stop it. They're just moving along with it, and even more importantly, they don't even necessarily consciously realize it's happening in the moment. And he's saying, listen, we need to be filled with the Spirit in such a way where it's so flowing steadily and it's such an inflow to abundance to where that is the thing that's influencing and affecting and driving all of the activities that we are busy about the business of doing on a daily basis. Does that make sense? See, we've got to... And when he says be filled, he's saying that means to continually and steadily be filled, right? On an ongoing basis each and every day that we should be communicating with God and living in such a way where we are steadily being 
poured into by His Spirit through reading the Word and through prayer and just spending time with Him to where that is what's filling our heart to the point of overflow so that that's what's influencing our behavior. And get this, if it's not the Spirit of God that's doing that, then it will be something else. There's not a neutral place for this. He says, let no, uh, he says, walk circumspectly, and he says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. See, the days, the world, it's inherently evil. So if we're not being filled by the Spirit of God and His truth and His Word, then we are, by default, being filled by the world. And therefore, the world is what can spring up and overflow in our heart, in our life, in our storehouse, and ultimately be affecting more of how we go about our days. It's true, isn't it? We, we can all get caught into a point where we, we look around at what we're doing or how we've been ha conducting ourselves or behaving or whatever, thinking, and we're like, man, where did I get all of this? Well, at some point, things were flowing in that ultimately bubbled up, that ultimately flowed out because it, it was unavoidable that it was going to happen. So let me ask you this. If the angel of the life patrol pulled us over, would we be accused of living under the Spirit? Right? Would we be accused of living under the Spirit? We must live every day under the influence of the Spirit of God, of the Word of God, of the truth of God, and not of this world. We must live under the influence. Now, let's, look, we, let's be very clear here, okay? Which under the influence I'm talking about. Don't want to see anybody down at Bobex or JP's later on today and say, Pastor told me I need to be living under the influence every day. You get Pastor Matt in trouble there, right? No, that's not the one we're talking about. Whenever I had, uh, I was like, I guess I was about 17 or 18, I had my wisdom teeth pulled out. Remember that, Mom? Whew. Yeah, and they gas you up, right? And I could be wrong, but I might have asked them to give me a little extra when I went in there. I was 18, you know, 17, hadn't found the Lord, you know. And anyway, um, so they juiced me up pretty good, and I woke up, and my mouth was pat, it was top and bottom, and it packed with these gauze, you know. I looked like a chipmunk, and I was just, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, I mean, I was like loopy as you could get, and so mom had to stop by the store. She decided to go by Walgreens to pick up my prescription on the way home, and I mean, I'm just as happy as, you know, go lucky as a kite here, and then we're sitting in the parking lot, and she goes inside, and I guess it was taking a while. And I just get the bright idea, I'm going to get out and start walking around in the parking lot. I'm just going to meet some people. That's what I was thinking. There's people pushing carts, and it's raining, too. And so I get out, and I'm, and I'm just, like, going around, and people are like, what in the world? I mean, it's bloody gauze at this point. And I'm just like, everything's great in my mind, you know. I'm under the influence of the nitrous and stuff. And my mom comes walking out, and she's like, she, I'm not in the car. And she's like, what in the world? And she's looking around, and she sees me soaking wet, walking around in the rain, talking to people with bloody gauze. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing? You know, like, get back in the car. And I'm like, why, what? And I, I was oblivious. I had no idea. But my point is, is again, we, we can be 
filled to the point. We're going to be filled to the point in our heart, in our storehouse with something. And that something that fills us is going to influence and drive everything else that's happening through our lives each and every day. We want to make sure that our life, our communication, what we're conveying, our emotions, beliefs, our heart, our feelings, our everything align with God's word. It's very simple. It's not necessarily about being rigid and disciplined. You have to be, but it's not the source where it's when it's coming out. It's making sure that the right thing is coming in. It's getting under the right spigot and letting that flow in steadily and ongoing to make sure that what's in abundance and that what's in filling is what you want, is pure, is godly, is righteous, that it comes out because ultimately whatever is in there is going to anyway. Somebody say amen to that or, yeah, okay. You're with me today. All right, good, good, good. All right. So, let me read you another scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7. This is a story of the prophet Elisha. And uh, he runs into this widow whose husband has died. And the husband's left her with some debt. She has two sons. And they're basically about ready to be, they're, they're, they're without money. They can't pay the debts. And they are gonna, she's going to have to sell her sons into slavery because she can't pay the debt. But there's a powerful lesson in this. Starting out in verse 1, it says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And so the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God and said, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons shall live on the rest. See, to me, this story gives an incredible picture of how we need to view our lives and our desperation for God's infilling each and every day so that it drives us to make sure that we are exchanging the time in our days for what is profitable for what is virtuous, and that is to be steadily filled with the things of God and not of this world. You see, the first thing we realize about this woman and about her sons is they are in a desperate situation. There is absolutely nothing of themselves that they have that has enough value to offer to meet the demands or meet the needs of the debt which is owed. And you and I have to understand each and every day when we wake up that we may have filled ourselves in the days past, 
but ultimately that we are desperate. We are in such need for something from God that we don't have of ourselves to offer, that we are always looking to God to receive something to pay forth what is needed for the day ahead. Just like the widow looked to the man of God, she knew if it was relying on her, if it relied on her sons, anything under heaven, let's say, then she knew she was doomed because they could never muster anything enough up to be able to pay forth what was needed. We've got to realize that we are desperate that way for the infilling of God's oil, his spirit, each and every day for the demands of life that are ahead of us. And we have to also realize that in this story, it's important that the vessels that are being brought are empty. Are empty. This is key. If you bring the vessel half full, it's not going to work. you got to dump out whatever's in there that it can be filled up with the pure oil. Why would they pour oil right into anything else that had something tainted in it already? And this is where sometimes we all are people and we do this, but we come to God, but we're not quite desperate enough to really pour out some things that are already there that need to be dumped out in order to really be filled up with his pure oil. And we have to be willing to do that. We have to say, okay, God, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay down my strength. I'm going to lay down what I think is right. I'm going to lay down my need to control the situation, to manage things. I'm going to dump everything else out that's in me when I come to you about this situation because if I come with a half full, part full, or any way of the way full jar, you're not going to be able to fill me with your spirit the way I need to be. I need to be entirely empty when I approach you. And you know, we can do that. We can dump ourselves out by knowing that when we come to God, we, we only want what he has to offer and what he can fill us with. And we are willing to abandon and lay down anything and everything that we might have preconceived or thought or believed about a situation and allow God to say, no, this is, these, are, this is my, these are my eyes for this. This is my thoughts. This is my word. This is my truth. I don't care what anything else that's been put in you from the world up to this point this maybe filled you part way says, dump it out, get rid of it, and let me pour in purity and truth with my word. When we go to the restaurants, I mean, I guzzle water. You already know that. I told you that earlier. So I drink a lot of water. Well, we go to the restaurants, and a, to me, like a good waiter, you know, they keep my glass full. If, I'm, if I drink that water down, then they're back around and they fill it up, right? And Katie's like, there's no waiter that can do that. But anyway, my, when I get, when my glass is empty, that's when I hold it out so that he can fill it. What would the waiter think if I was like, hey, would you, would you refill this for me? And it's like three-fourths of the way full. I mean, he might do it, you know, in that situation. But the point is, is the concept of that is kind of ludicrous, right? You, you drink it down, you empty it, and then you fill it back up. That's what refilling means. And that's what we have to be. We've got to be empty. We've got to come to God with nothing in us that we have allowed the world to put in. Dump it out. Be willing to lay it down. Be willing to completely abandon it so that God can really fill us full with his pure oil. Because if they would have brought, the widow and her sons would have brought any jars to them that already had something in it. No, get it away. Do, throw it out. Get rid of it. I don't want that. We're not filling that one up. It had to be empty. 
And see, the other thing is, is that the vessels, we're vessels, right? God says, give me a vessel, I'll fill it. We are vessels, and God's spirit is the oil. The vessel itself is not really of tremendous value. I mean, it's a clay pot or whatever it was made of for holding things. Had a lot of them laying around for various reasons. But the oil that was put in there was of tremendous value. Was of tremendous value. And we were people, we're flesh and blood. But if the Spirit of God is in us and resides in us, it's like invaluable oil. And if we grasp that and we reverence that, then we would appropriately seek it, crave it, and desire it. We would carry it with us, and we would pour it out wisely and well in our lives. That oil is priceless, but the vessel itself, there's plenty of them out there. But God said, the man of God said, bring me every vessel that you can find, and I will fill them all. Did you know there's not a person in this world who approaches God empty and abandoned to self, ready for him to fill them that he will not pour himself into? Bring me every vessel you can find. And he also said, he said, shut the door behind you when you come in. See, they were shutting the door behind them to a place of lack and insufficiency that they had already been living in. They were closing the door to that part of their lives. And they were stepping into a place now of fullness and provision and abundance. Abundance. They were going to walk back out of there never having the mentality and the mindset that they would go without again. Because now they knew that all they had to do were bring the empty vessels to be filled and they would be filled. And he said, take what's left over that you and your sons may live on it after you've paid the debt. See, when God pours himself into us and he's filling us with his spirit steadily day in and day out, it's enough to meet the demands of all the things he's called us to do. But it's also enough to fully satisfy us ourselves. Isn't that beautiful that there's so so much joy and peace and beauty. I've got enough in me to meet the demand of every last thing I'm called to do and every place I'm needing to pour myself out into other situations and people in their lives. But at the same time, I've got enough to satisfy me as well. I'm full. I'm abundantly full and I'm overflowing to the point that I'm spilling out. And did you know that's how we were created to live? We were created to live in such a way where we were steadily filled to the point where we had the overflow. That's what he's talking about. Don't just fill up a little here and there. Don't walk around with your cup halfway gone. Be steadily filled to abundance, to overflow all the time. So what's coming out of you is always, are always the things that are God-inspired and God-influenced. Be filled to the point of full. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 38, he said that he who, should, who believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Did you know that we're not a reservoir? We are a well. Not holding just to hold and maintain, but always actively being filled and pouring 
out. That's why we need to be filled all the time. Because we're created to be pouring out steadily what God is putting in us to impact the world and to fulfill our purposes. Pretty novel concept, actually. I mean, it's genius. He's God. He's wise, you know. But he's, he, we're created to pour out. Therefore, there's always the need to be filled in. Does that make sense? And so I close with this. Do we recognize our, our own emptiness, our own desperation and need to be filled with something that's not of this world? Do we recognize that? And do we see that whatever's coming in, that whatever we do fill ourselves with ultimately is going to come out of us? influencing our behavior, our habits, our actions, our thoughts, everything. It's going to. If we do, then we should be desperate to be filled by the pure oil on a steady and regular basis to the point of overflow. And you will see and you will notice that the things that come out of the man or woman of God are increasingly and steadily noble, virtuous, praiseworthy, all the things that Paul talks about in Philippians when he says meditate on such things. We control what we allow to fill us. We have a holy God who's good, who's all-powerful, who's all-wise, who's standing, reigning over heaven and over earth with his pitcher, wanting to just pour it into us. All he's saying is just come up. Walk up empty and let me fill you steadily and ongoing daily that you may be filled with abundance to the overflow and watch and see as you go about your life all the things that continue to come out of you aren't laced with my power, with my truth, and with my word. And they will be. It's impossible not to be. Are we coming to God empty, ready to be filled every day. Let's stand to our